0: You really don't know. Like, that's a big thing. Like, so when us coaches show up, we don't know what, um, what our athletes, any medical back, we have no medical background on any athlete. So we actually don't know. I assume you guys have never rode before and maybe you've gotten on an erg at a CrossFit gym. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Don't even get me started on CrossFitters. (laughs) Um, but, um, you know, and, and I, my goal is to teach you how to row like you were going to row on the water. Like I can teach you, like I can just teach you the basics, to get on an ERG and like just, you know, do it. But I want to teach you, I like you to visualize trying to row on the water, like controlling up that slide on your recovery and then sending it backwards because your finish line's behind you. Like I said, this is the, like, the only Olympic sport you can win a gold medal in by going backwards is rowing.
1: On this episode of After the Battle Campfire, I sit down with Michelle, our team Navy rowing coach and a Navy spouse. We take the time to talk about what rowing means to her, how she got into helping veterans through adaptive rowing, and what it's like being the spouse of an active duty sailor, and what it's like being a spouse of an active duty sailor during covid So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of After the Battle Campfire. All right, you guys hear it all the time. The typical, if you like this episode, please rate us, subscribe to us, leave a comment on iTunes or Spotify, wherever. Well, it really does make a difference for this podcast. We're small, we're trying to get bigger, and all of this feeds the algorithm so that iTunes or Spotify or Pandora, wherever you find us at will rate us higher and higher with the more likes and comments that you guys leave. And always, if you guys find value in these episodes, please leave us a comment on the episode or on the show uh, page. And the best way to help us is to share it off. So again, thank you. And we will talk to you soon. All right. So we are back with my favorite person in all of the Warrior Games, my rowing coach, who is also the wife of an active duty sailor. So I wanted to bring her on for a couple reasons. One being that she's a Warrior Games coach and we're coming up on Warrior Games here pretty soon. But also to talk to her about uh, being an active duty spouse and what that's like. So everyone say hello to Michelle. Say hi, Michelle. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you get into rowing?
0: Um, I was not very good at sports. I am not coordinated at all, but I'm relatively tall, I'm about 5'9", five, 5'10", five, which is pretty tall for a female. Um, I really enjoy being you know, part of team sports. Um, and then when I was at college, Someone said I'd be a good rower. So I looked into it, joined the team, and that's what happened.
1: Did you have any idea what you were getting into in any no. way, shape, or form?
0: No clue. I just showed up on day one, and I joined crew with five friends, and I was the only one to make it through the first week.
1: Oh, wow. That's pretty crazy. So what made you even look at crew? I mean, just as a general thing.
0: Like as somebody said, I'd be good at it. So I, and I always wanted to be a part of something like have some sort of like friend circle or, um, something to kind of connect me to other people. And, um, And I just didn't know what that was. So, you know, in in college, some people join join a sorority or fraternity, sports teams, club programs. So for me, I just really enjoy um, sports and the team aspect. Um, I enjoy working out. um, And for me, it just fit well with, I fit well with rowing because I have grit and I can push myself really hard. but it, I'm not very good at, like, running and, and and throwing things. I tried basketball. They turned off the scoreboard on us. We were losing so bad. I mean, I got more injuries running because I tripped over myself it, while rowing than actually rowing. So it just worked out well for me just with my personality and what I was looking for.
1: So as a kid, were you... I mean you said you weren't athletic but were you outdoorsy or did you do stuff outdoors or did this opportunity to do rowing and basketball just how ha- kind of happen
0: So I was actually homeschooled so there were several avenues that I could do sports um uh, mostly through local rec leagues um that sort of thing so I did soccer mainly growing up but it was only 3 months out of the year um I wasn't very good at it I played in defense uh, my big talent was kicking the ball very far up the field, and when girls would, like, run into me, they kind of fall down, and then I would take the ball. So they called me the wall. And that was basically all I was good for in the sport. I wasn't particularly fast. I didn't have any, like, ball skills. I just enjoyed being around friends and enjoyed the, what being a part of a team um, entailed. Um, the friendships, the, um, ups and downs and you facing that with other people, um, when you're having a tough day, leaning on, 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 a fellow teammate to kind of help bring you up. I really enjoyed that. Um, and so for me, I wasn't necessarily like when I joined crew, I wasn't like, I'm passionate about rowing. I mean, she, my parents showed up to my first race and they thought I joined the sailing team. They were a little bit confused when they showed up. Um, they, they really didn't understand. I mean, yeah, I think my parents were just happy I was doing something. (laughs) Uh,
1: So you grew up in what San Diego, right? Or yeah. yeah. So was the outdoors, uh, the beach life, all that, did you ever think that you would be doing, um, something like crew? I, I don't even know if they do it in San Diego Bay or not.
0: They do it in Mission Bay. So there's actually a really big rowing club down in Mission, a couple of rowing clubs down in Mission Bay. Um, and it's actually, you know, a pretty good amount of rowers there. Um, but my dad was actually ran Delmar Life, uh, Delmar Beach. He was a lifeguard. He ran that um, for 15 years. So growing up, I actually, my dad was a lifeguard until I was about seven. So I always went to the beach and hung out with my dad at the beach, you know, cause at the lifeguard tower. So my, my growing up, we spent a ton of time at the beach, um, uh, in terms of other outdoor activities. We did skiing. My parents, uh, my, my dad was ski patrol and my mom was a ski instructor when they met. So, I mean, I was, my parents were holding me between their legs and I was skiing between them before I was walking. Um, but I'm not a good skier. I, I do not venture from the bunny hill sliding down a mountain of ice at a high rate of speed is not safe in my mind. And I no, it's not for me. I like safe, controlled sports. So did
1: you? Did so you didn't try out with um, snowboarding then? Which no, is a whole I do have a snowboard.
0: Night. I have a snowboard, but I again, I do not venture from the bunny hill. I, I might go down. I basically the the easiest hill they will allow an adult on. That's my hill. That's <laughs> where I stay. <laughs> that in the lodge, drinking my hot chocolate. <laughs>
1: Just your hot chocolate?
0: Yeah, just my hot chocolate.
1: (laughs) Oh, you're making a good mom. (laughs) It's
0: family friendly.
1: So I know you didn't do the military thing, but growing up in San Diego, being by Mission Bay and and all of that, I mean, it's hard not to see uh, the Navy down there or even the Marines just north of you. How influenced were you by people who were uh, veterans or by people who were joining? Like how many of your classmates went off to serve or was that even a thing when you were in high school?
0: So actually a lot of, uh, quite a few of my teammates. Um, I graduated from the University of San Diego and quite a few of my teammates are, are were actually in ROTC um, and actually came out um commissioned as officers and um, are still serving. Um, so I think some of them range, some of them are serve on ships. Some of them, uh, one of them, one of my coxswains, she flies helicopters, um, you know, just the varying array of, of things that they went into. Um, I was very heavily influenced, a lot of military growing up in San Diego. My dad uh, volunteer, has volunteered with um, a, um, um, like a prayer group that goes down to MCRD every Sunday for probably 15 to 20 years. So um, my parents have always been very big donors and supporters of military programs. Um, so that was certainly something that that was that was always ingrained in me was giving back, was um, supporting military. Um, my grandfathers both served. My parents did not, but my grandfathers did. Uh, my dad's father, um, a couple, he has a couple. He earned a couple purple hearts. Um, got taken out uh, by a machine gun of World War II. Worked a lot with the um, uh, Filipino guerrillas um, with demolition. Um, so we de- I definitely had a... Um, my In my upbringing, my parents were very much, you know, support the military and give back.
1: Wow. I didn't realize that about your whole family history on that. So um, for you... How much did it play a role growing up like as a kid? Did you guys go see the Navy stuff? And just also so for, so people understand, MCRD is Marine Corps Recruit Depot. So your dad was doing prayer groups with the baby crayon eaters to all the yes. Marines out there I love.
0: <laughs> yes, so he would. And uh, he'd go down there. He'd write their, you know, parents' phone numbers in his Bible, and then call their their parents and like <laughs> say, "Your son, you know, is this doing all right." Uh, he he had flown a few families, you know, out there and stuff that maybe couldn't afford to go go to graduations. He would, you know, afford to pay for the fam- some of the families to come out to the Marine graduations. Um, yeah, so I mean, we didn't do a ton. I mean, we always went to like the air show. Um, there's a really big uh, Marine Air Base in San Diego. Um, they always held a really great air show, so we always went to that. Um, but I don't think we didn't do a lot of like other Navy stuff. I'd say, um, but we did a lot. Definitely did the air show. That was almost yearly for us. I'd say, um, and then just you know, I mean, anywhere you go in San Diego, there's so much military um, around.
1: Yeah, it's one of the weird things about San Diego that um, is so odd to me is you have Balboa, so Naval Medical uh, Center San Diego. You have MCRD. You have the Navy base, wet and dry side, so the ship side and the non-ship side. You have the sub-base up in Point Loma. There's so much, but yet you can easily forget that there's military there too. It's so crazy. So Absolutely how many days or how many, how much of your life did you spend in Balboa park?
0: So actually not that much. However, my first job out of college was right next to Balboa park. So I'd run through Balboa park every day for about four years, Monday through Friday to work off steam to, uh, so cause I, a lot of times I'd row in the morning, and then i'd be super tired so it was either i'd power nap in my car in the covered garage or i would go for a run to kind of wake myself up but it was my good way of just getting out um out and about so actually i spent a lot of time running through balbo park
1: <laughs> you know it's funny even when i was uh, at naval medical center san diego in 2010 11 i had no idea that the zoo was like right on the other side of the hospital
0: yeah, and it's such a big zoo too.
1: Yeah, I, I, I had no clue. I remember driving down as a kid from L.A. to go to the San Diego Zoo, and just no point of reference. That's like I what I was saying about the weird thing about San Diego is, it's a huge city, but nobody, even in California, really realizes that.
0: It really is. It's. It's. I mean, you can easily. I mean, I feel like sometimes you almost have ten worlds in one city. It's, it's pretty crazy. I mean, you can go from, you know, some of the fanciest upscale shops and boutiques on the planet and in five minutes be, you know, riding a surfboard with beach bums, like, I mean, and then go to the zoo and then, you know, I mean, it's incredible how how diverse that city is and how many different things there are. And it's just a big city, too. And it's so spread out. I mean, you know, the ima- the how far north you can go and then the how south, you know, um, and then it can take you pretty much all day to get from North County to south to uh, South County, depending on what time of day you drive.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> um, a perfect example. I, so I grew up in Orange County. So when I got sent down to Balboa for some medical stuff that took almost uh, five, four or five months, I would drive home to my mom's house on the weekends. And depending on what time I left, if I left before 12 30 in the afternoon, I could make it uh, up to basically Huntington Beach in about an hour and 20 minutes. If I left at 12 32, I wouldn't be home till four or five in the afternoon easily. It's insane. But it's also funny because growing up uh, in Orange County in the L.A. area, we had, you know, CBS News, Southern California News that stopped at Camp Pendleton. The people in the L.A. area didn't acknowledge that San Diego was part of Southern California.
0: Very different. You know, I'm definitely a San Diego crowd person. I mean, no offense to the L.A. people, but I am all about staying in San Diego and then. Yeah. And then trying to get through L.A. is a whole nother nightmare.
1: Oh, yeah. I would I would (laughs) much rather if I ever moved back to California uh, outside of going back to Orange County or probably not even Orange County, uh, San Diego would probably be high on the list for metropolitan areas.
0: And you can find the community that you want to move to where you feel like you you feel welcome. And that there's so many different communities in San Diego um, that you typ- typically everyone can kind of find their place where like, it's weird. Cause like certain areas are, you know, very different than other areas and uh, the people are going to be very different. So it's one say it's almost like 12 different worlds in San Diego. Oh yeah. And you pe- know,
1: and people forget it's a border town too. Hmm. Um, yeah. That literally, if you're in one of the rooftop bars downtown, You can those lights you see south of San Diego is Mexico. It's Tijuana with those funky yellow lights, if I remember right.
0: Yeah. I mean, you can see Mexico at night. It's crazy. You know, you you forget that, you know, you're in this really big, really expensive, really like bustling like U.S. city and you can see Mexico from it. It's it's pretty crazy.
1: Yeah. So speaking of all of that, at some point in time, um you go to college you do your you do the rowing you leave but you you stay involved with rowing after you get out right yeah so i
0: stayed i stayed rowing um so um i joined the santa rowing club down there um and i started rowing again um um after college um i wanted you know to continue my rowing because i'm kind of a rowing nerd i'll like leave it and i'll come back to it i'll leave it i'll come back to it I'll be involved in some way. Um, And then I joined like, there's a really big regatta in San Diego called the San Diego Crew Classic. And I started volunteering with that. Um, It's like one of the largest eights only regatta in the world. However, they've added some fours events for NCAA purposes, which is a whole nother thing to go into, but um, it's a very large regatta and it's two days of pretty much straight racing, from morning to evening. Um, they have beer garden, they have vendors, they have tents for teams. They have um, kind of a fancy area where you can get the brunch ticket, you know, and kind of, you know, dress up and uh, drink mimosas, have fun. Um, they have all sorts of stuff. Um, um, and so I joined that as a volunteer, started helping organize on the shore duty side of things. Um, and then I uh, eventually became vice president and director of shore ops. Um, so I served there um, and, did, and that was a fantastic experience because it was a good way to give back into the community. Um, I asked for college. I also, uh, the rowing club down in Diego started working with um, Challenge Athlete Foundation, Wounded Warrior Project, and kind of bringing in some you know, wounded warriors um, I had been ad- and introduced to um, adaptive rowing, my first year of rowing by Angela Madison, who passed away recently. And she's a military veteran or was a military veteran um, in and in a Paralympian. And so she introduced me to adaptive rowing. Um, and so it was kind of cool because then I circled back and I was like, got to work with Wounded Warriors. We started working with athletes with um, uh, more invisible injuries and um, until we could, until they started, then they got the, some adaptive equipment and started working with more physically um, disabled athletes and um, kind of flowing in. Um, and then it started not working so well with my work schedule, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, it definitely stuck with me as something that was a very impactful um, experience. I remember there was a Marine he had rode four years in high school, and this is probably one of the athletes that was most impactful for me. He rode four years in high school, gotten out, enlisted in the Marine Corps, um, and then went back. He went to the Naval Academy, rode there for four years, met his wife, went back to the, and went back into the Marine Corps, lost both of his legs, and was, you know, had both of his prosthetic legs. Came out to row with his wife. They just took two singles out, and they were out there for you know a couple hours. And he was so positive about the experience, and this was his first time rowing since his injuries. And how how positive he was about his injuries, the jokes he was making, um, and just how impactful the experience was for him to be able to use adaptive equipment, get back into a sport that he had you know loved so much. Because as an athlete you think, Oh my gosh, what happens if I get injured? What happens if I get hurt? You know, like this is such a big part of my life. And to see how it had been such a big part of his life, he had been, you know, a pretty decent rower and now was able to row again. And for me, that was probably one of the more impactful athletes. Um, And I, you know, that, you know, that had a big impact in what kind of set me up for how, what this really did for athletes. and, um, so yeah, then I, you know, I was rowing a bit. Um, I got married and moved to Virginia. Um, because so I it was like, I'm never going to date a military guy. My big thing was, is I would never want to date a military guy. I'd never want to leave San Diego. I had a career. My family was there. My friends were there. I'm like not dating in the military. And there I was single for like three years. Cause I'm a little bit picky. I'm, I'm not much to settle. I don't settle. So,
1: (laughs) so real quick, um, you, you encompassed a lot there. So you were doing the, um, you were, you were going through helping out veterans before you met your husband then, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I did that before I met my husband.
1: Okay. And so the other thing I was going to ask is how did you come across a Navy guy to begin with? Like, how did you guys meet the first time?
0: I met him online. That's how I met him. I met him okay. online. I mean, there's a lot of Navy guys in the bars. There, there just, are. You yeah. know, I mean, I, they weren't really the marriage material. <laughs> so <laughs> I knew what I was looking for. So he, uh, you know, rolled out of bed late, showed up late to our, our first date in his Jeep. We, uh, he, we met at um, our first date was at... Um, um at dog beach in um oh um point loma dog beach his dog joined us she was their third wheel she didn't try to you know eat me or anything so i figured that was a good sign and you know we had like a three hour first date just walking around dog beach but yeah i was like i'm not dating anyone in the military i mean i'll support military guys but i will not date them and then i married the first one i dated and we moved like two months after we got married.
1: So when, when we met in 2018, you were married by then, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I got married in 2016.
1: Okay. So how did you get hooked up with Team Navy? And then I want to kind of go over the, what is adaptive rowing versus what you were doing in college?
0: Yeah. So, um, so, I, so when I moved to Virginia, I realized there was no, no adaptive rowing here. So I, I figured that needed to happen. I was hanging out in the water. I was coaching high school kids with my friend. She, um, her husband um, is a officer in the Navy. He just finished up uh, serving as the commanding officer for the USS Dennis. Um, she's awesome. And we were out in the water. I was like, hey, Lisa, why is there no adaptive rowing? There's all these military around. She's like, I don't know. I'm like, well, there needs to be. So then I started a nonprofit teaching service members how to row. So for me, adaptive, um can mean many different things. It's not just somebody's missing a limb or has a, you know, you know anything. Yeah. For me, adaptive is an athlete who may needs who's struggling, who needs any physical adaptions. Um it's different than college because like say an athlete comes to me and says, I'm having a tough day or I can just see it in their face they're having a tough day. I'll change my workout based off of what the athletes need. Whereas like, if I should to practice in college, I'm doing what my coach told me had scheduled for training. Like that's not changing. Um, they, you know, the demands are definitely higher. Um, it, you know, they don't take into consideration as much like what's going on in your life. Um, um, you know, really rowing comes first. Uh, they say, uh, academics come first, but really it's not. It's athletics.
1: (laughs) I I think it's that way with all athletic programs, especially when they're paying for your education.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. So actually, uh, women's rowing is a great uh, filter. I always, I love getting women into rowing because it's a good way for them to, um, help, uh, pay for college. Um, even men too, because, um, even though there's not as many scholarship opportunities for men, it can definitely help sometimes, Depending on the relationship athletics have with admissions, it can help get an athlete in. Um, I know, like, the Ivy Leagues do not actually offer athletic scholarships, but it can help with, say, admissions or help you kind of look good on your um, application. So it's definitely helps. Um, and um, so I think for me, it's really important to get, like, I love getting youth involved in the sport. Um, I love working with youth. I love, Trying to help them get something positive out of the sport, even if they don't row in college. Like if it just helps them gain self confidence, you know, going through high school and stuff. Because rowing gave me a lot. Rowing gave me self confidence. Gave me goals. It really helped me grow at, into being an adult. Because I found rowing when I was eighteen. We're eighteen year olds think they know everything. They don't. Okay, we're still growing at eighteen. We're figuring it out. We're developing. So I think it really helped me get some sort of focus, which was really important. Um, And so like that definitely was great. Um, But for me, I think it's important to have adaptive sports because like I said, if, you know, not everyone can do the same workout every day, like that maybe like another athlete could do that day. So like I said, main thing for me is adaptive is, working with athletes, changing workouts based off of needs. It's physically, obviously physically adapting the sport to any physical challenges an athlete might have. Um, and being, I like being a creative problem solver. So the big thing with adaptive sports is there's not, there's not a one size fits all for everyone, especially when it comes to any physical disabilities there. We're always trying to find a way to make the sport work for somebody. So, Sometimes it's, it looks kind of like you're jerry-rigging something, but you're really making the sport work for someone because there's no product out there that's built for like this person, their disability and making the sport work for them. Um, and so a lot, that's one of the big things I, I love working with a lot of the other coaches is kind of talking, oh wait, okay. So you have, oh, how'd you work with that athlete? Oh, okay, so you, you, know, you talk, you talk because it's not, like I said, not a one-size-fits-all there's not a guide out there that says, okay, this is, you'll know, follow this. This is what you do. There is a proper way to row. I know that proper way to row. And then we optimize, um, we get an athlete and say they have a disability for, you know, these using these muscles. And then we look at the sport, we figure out, okay, so the optimal way to row would be this way using, using this. So, okay. They can't bend that way. Okay. Well then how do we make the sport work best for them? and optimize their body, knowing what muscles need to be used.
1: That makes total sense. So how did you come to Team Navy, though? How did you... Because when we were doing our trials out in... um, Where were we at? In Mayport, and we had some... Sorry to say it like this because I don't remember her name. But we had someone who was kind of like a fitness salon trying to teach us how to do the rowing for the trials. Then we met you. I want to say we met you back in Port Wainimi, didn't we?
0: Yeah. um, You pet me. uh, Yeah. My first camp was at Port Wainimi. I had gotten a call. I was actually in California visiting my family in San Diego when I got a call um, saying that they needed a rowing coach. And I was like, oh, oh, you know, they were explaining, you know, this. I'm like, and first I thought it was on the water and I was like, you're going to get me 40 athletes on the water. And I'm the only coach. I'm like, that's a safety issue. <laughs> and they're like, no, it's not on the water. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was a little confused, <laughs> but then they said, er, so I was like, oh, that's, that's no problem. Um, and so I was actually in San Diego when I got the call, but I, you know, obviously i had to fly back to virginia because i had a return ticket and i didn't have any of my stuff to fly back um so i flew back to um i got a call from the contractor because somebody had given my name to the contractor um because my husband's active duty um this person was affiliated with the um i think with um working with wounded warriors in his his type of command um and then they And I had met with that person to kind of talk about what we were doing with my program, and they had given my name to the contracting company um, who was looking for coaches. I believe that's how that worked. Um, And it happened very fast because I got back to Virginia and I flew out maybe like three or four days later. Um, It it happened very, very fast. and then I showed up and I was like, I'm here. Hello. I coach rowing. And I was super excited and it was awesome. You guys are awesome. <laughs> I was like, this is great. <laughs> um, so I quickly, you know, they you know, were like, oh, so Warrior Games is these dates. Are you available? Like, and I was like, yeah, I'll make myself available. Um, and so it worked out well. And it just, it was kind of, it fell in place if was just something that kind of fell into place and um it was really cool and um oh gosh it was such a great opportunity it's always like such an honor and pleasure to work with every woman warrior i work with um uh, because you guys are allowing me part of your recovery um you know not everyone's willing to share their story or wants to talk about their story and that's okay uh, but for me um probably one of the coolest things is when somebody feels so comfortable with me that they're willing to open up and talk to me um and that they trust me in that way um because as coaches you're not and as athletes you're not required to tell us anything medical we are not provided with anything medical Um, all that i ask is if if athlete cannot physically if for some reason you can't physically do something due to an injury just let me know Um, and so but It's 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 incredible to me to be able to do what I do um, and that you guys allow me to be part of your your journey.
1: Oh, thank you. So um, on that, you mentioned something that I I realized we didn't touch on. So your whole background was in on the water uh, rowing. Yep. And what we do at the Warrior Games is what they're called Ergs, but most people just see them as a rowing machines.
0: The concept twos.
1: Yes. So, oh God, I hate those things. Um, so, how much different is that mechanically than actually being on the water for someone so with I, disabilities?
0: I teach you to row like you would row on the water. I don't just teach you to erg. And so, actually, erging is a big part of rowing, a part of any program. They are what we dread using. They are the the mechanism we test on. We do, um, so in uh, the Olympic and Paralympic distance is 2,000 meters. That's the sprint distance for collegiate rowing as well. So our testing is not, so like at Warrior Games, it's one minute and four minute. Our event is 2,000 meters. In the fall, it's 6,000 meters. That's our endurance. So our sprint is actually 2,000. Our endurance is a 6,000 meter test. Um, so we train for a slightly different distance um
1: yeah and six six thousand meters yep that's six kilometers so that's doing math real quick three almost four miles
0: you're just cruising man you're just you're just cruising <laughs> you're getting a good sweat on good oh, yeah, workout you are so yeah and so that's kind of what we'll do in the fall we would do that from like when we get back to school like september through november would probably be one of our final races would be um and then we would you know take away for go away for christmas break and then come back in all sprint training all the way through the end of school
1: oh wow so, so
0: that's how that would work.
1: <laughs> so what did you think when you got there? What did you expect as far as the people that you were going to be putting through um, the whole course when you came out to the camp?
0: You really don't know. Like, that's a big thing. Like, so when us coaches show up, we don't know what um, what our athletes, any medical back. We have no medical background on any athlete. So we actually don't know. I assume – you guys have never rowed before and maybe you've gotten on an erg at a crossfit gym oh. <laughs> 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 don't even get me started on crossfitters <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> um but um you know and and i my goal is to teach you how to row like you were going to row on the water like i can teach you like i can just teach you the basics to get on an erg and like You know do it but i want to teach you i like you to visualize trying to row on the water like controlling up that slide on your recovery and then sending it backwards because your finish lines behind you like i said this is the like the only olympic sport you can win a gold medal in by going backwards is rowing that finish line is behind you you sending backwards if you slam all of your weight forward you're going to be setting negative energy towards that You know, start line. You don't want to send weight that way. You want to send it backwards. You want to control it backwards. And so the big thing is when the ergs start walking, you want to figure out why. You want to figure out why the. the, And usually it's to do with um, the power being uh, applied inappropriately. So it's being applied wrong. So it might be being applied up and back versus just straight back. So like these are stationary machines. They're not supposed to move. I was going to say.
1: I was going to ask you, so when, you're, when you say walking, I'm, I can think of one of our athletes, uh, rather large, bald Corman guy, uh, <laughs> who, I mean, no joke, you would have the machines lined up in a row, and by the time he was done, he was back <laughs> or forward like 10 feet.
0: <laughs> and so, so you work on that. It's not something that you master over three camps. It's something you have to consistently work on. But the idea is that as a coach, I'm giving you the tools that you can go home and feel comfortable and confident to go to a gym. Like I want some somebody who doesn't work out all the time to come out of a camp with me, sit next to somebody who's bulging muscles, does their, you know, CrossFit and like looks like they know what they're doing on an ERG. And I want that per, my athlete to be able to sit next to them and confidently get on that machine, set their resistance, properly you know not just throwing it to a 10 and realizing the damper is not your actual resistance that's adjusting your resistance your your resistance your your drag factor yeah (laughs) we're going over a reminder course here tommy yes so (laughs) so when that crossfitter slams it to a 10 and then like comes up on their toes and like pushes from their toes and becomes tiny dancer little ballerinas like you like that person's doing it all wrong. Where my athlete feels comfortable and confident, that they've had appropriate coaching, teaching them how to row right, so that they don't injure themselves. That they're using their legs, not their back. You know, you know, and applying their, you know, even though like that person might be going at like really fast, like look really great because they're really strong, they're super fit, they're into fitness, but unfortunately, that athlete will probably most likely have an injury very soon. Um, over that repetitive um, improper rowing. Whereas my athletes, like, you know, you're doing it right. You have that confidence to be in that gym next to the other athlete. You feel comfortable that you've had the coaching. You know, you're doing it right. And even if you're not going that fast, you're perfecting your technique so that you can continue to do the sport for the rest of your life. Rowers row until we die. We row until our hundreds. Like that's what happens. Like you have a hundred and some odd, you know, hundred year old rowers out there. You know, you can row for the rest of your life.
1: Yeah. And just that thought of being out there on an ERG at 105. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And you can compete at the world indoor championships at 105.
1: Did someone do that?
0: I don't or, know. They have a, there's, a, there's a master's age group for it. Is there it. really? Oh, wow. <laughs> so
1: um, I know I asked you how it was when you showed up to the camp. Now, I'm kind of curious in how you were a brand new coach in 2018. New to the team, new to the other coaches. You were also slightly younger than most of the coaches. How were you treated by the coaches when uh, you got to the camp?
0: Oh, I was treated great. Everyone's awesome like I love the coaches, um, you know, any, but everyone, the staff, the coaches, everyone's awesome. Um, they were very welcoming. Um, they were excited to learn uh, staff and uh, would jump into sessions. I've had other coaches draft jump into the sessions and just kind of want to pick, you know, my, you know, my you know, ear on like the technique and stuff. Um, because like, what's really cool is like, we're, you know, we're specialists in our sports but we don't know the other sports necessarily very well. One of the coolest things is I like to go to the other sports and kind of learn about them. Um, I did a camp, the one of the camps I've done, gosh, uh, did the shooting competition with the other coaches. I got third to last. Um, (laughs) um, The sitting volleyball. Oh, I was bad at that. Oh, an air force guy was at that camp and he was, he was laughing at me. (laughs)
1: <laughs> you know, sitting volleyball is one of the few sports I have absolutely just said not going to even play, not even to go there. That just something about sitting on that on that basketball court floor on your butt and bouncing around. I've
0: And everyone complains about the erg seat. Have they not played sitting volleyball? <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, I mean, I played volleyball a little bit around high school, not on the high school team, but just around high school. And I've had a volleyball come at my face. And it's not a fun thing standing and being able to dive out of the way. We, I remember watching. I think you were there with us at the uh, finals for sit volleyball in 2018. And we were watching people almost get their noses taken off because they play so hard. And you have no, nowhere to go. You're stuck.
0: The scariest thing that happens in rowing is what we call catching a crab. And if the oar doesn't go into the water at the exact at the right angle, the force will f- make the oar handle fly back at the athlete due to the momentum of the water. And if you don't duck fast enough, you can get launched out of the boat. You can break your ribs. It doesn't feel good.
1: Uh no, I can totally understand. Maybe when uh... you
0: have a a pretty pretty highly ranked. Um, Division 1-8 going at full speed and that oar comes flying at you? Better duck. <laughs> <laughs> I also had a coxswain take me into a bridge once. She was staring at it and I was running backwards and I was in of 4. Um, I think this, this might have been my senior year in college. We're going full speed right to this bridge. Oar hits it, flies back at me. It knocked me out of my shoes <laughs> and broke my foot stretchers because our, our feet are actually, our foot stretchers Attach are attached to shoes in the boat, and you just slide your feet into the shoes. Make sure you wear socks because these are not your shoes. Uh, <laughs> and so the foot straps are snapped in half because of the force. So,
1: wow. Oh uh, on the erg side though, there's not much, yeah, I guess there's not much that can no, really go no, wrong. There's
0: the the dangers are, are minimal to none. <laughs> unless you unless you have um any if you have trouble with stability you can fall um but thankfully the ergs are pretty low to the ground um to the fact that a lot of times you can be caught or you can kind of catch yourself um or you can like maybe have bars made that kind of sit next to you to kind of like help you catch yourself a little bit um, they also make some ad- adaptive equipment that helps if you, um, really need the stability. They make a kind of a tractor seat that slides and it provides a little bit more stability on the back and the sides Oh. okay. that I found very useful for athletes, uh, especially with, uh, more severe TBIs.
1: So I want to go to another place, but I do want to know, so what's it looking like for this year for the warrior games? Do we have a good team or have you had, have you guys had any camps yet?
0: In person, yeah. The last in-person camp I went to was like a year and a half ago.
1: When we all became patient zeros, because Jewel and I, Jules and I were hanging out at the China Air Terminal eating food that back in January.
0: Oh, 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 oh! Thank you very much for the last year and a half.
1: <laughs> it's our way of giving back.
0: <laughs> so yeah, I mean, my last camp was at Port Waimea, January 2020.
1: Um, yeah, I guess that was all of ours.
0: There was a Hawaii camp after that, but rowing wasn't at the Hawaii camp. Um, so because they divided it, um, then we were about to have camp and then that got canceled. Yeah.
1: So do you think it's going to happen this year?
0: Yes. Okay. I think it's going to happen. I think, I think everything's going to happen. I think that they're going to be, um, I think they're going to do their best, you know, to, to mitigate, um, the risks. Um, Obviously, I don't know things like whether spectators are allowed and all that, um, you know, I know coaches are, you know, are required to wear masks, whether you're vaccinated or not at camp uh, will be required to wear masks. Um, so, um, you know, I know I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that everything's going to happen and I'm very grateful for that because I know that when games got canceled last year, it wore very dip hard on a lot of athletes. Um, because a lot of athletes make it, you know, big, you know, it's, it's a warrior games is a big deal. And I, I, you know, I don't know if every athlete in every, you know, service member out there under any, every civilian understands just how, um, competitive games is, um, and, and how big it is. So, you know, I definitely want to, you know, mention that because I don't think everyone realizes just how competitive it is. And, you know, coming from the background I have, I, I know it fast is, and some of these athletes are very, very fast. Um, yeah. you're getting incredible power, incredible. And, and the, um, not just the level of, and then the athleticism is great, but also the sportsmanship, it's just one of the greatest like athletic events I've ever you've know, been to.
1: So speaking of, uh, competitiveness which one are you looking forward to watching this year the olympics or the paralympics now that you've been an an adaptive sports coach for a few years
0: honestly i look forward to both you know i really do you know yeah i i look forward to both so much um so i'm just excited (laughs) i'm just i'm excited to watch it all i love watching sports I I don't even necessarily have to like that sport that much. I just like to watch sports, especially if, like, you know, I go to a friend's house and they, like, say they're a hockey, you know, family, I don't watch hockey at my house. But if they have a team, I will root for that team and I will learn about hockey.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So um, you started a nonprofit out in in Virginia, right, doing Mm – Is it just purely adaptive or is it all rowing?
0: It's adaptive for the most part, really. And then we work with community partners to kind of, um, help facilitate like a more competitive, non-adaptive programming. Um, like we work with, uh, the USL locally for their outdoor adventure team. Um, and that's, you know, open to active duty, uh, service members and their spouses. Um, you know, we have a community rowing program that we're partners with to kind of, also, work with, um, but really, we're mainly adaptive and it really helps kind of. I don't want an athlete to feel like, oh, it's only adaptive, I can't do it. Because a lot of times, you know, say like PTSD or um, depression, anxiety, like a lot of that is not necessarily really diagnosed and um, coming out of service. You may not have a disability rating for it, um, but you might be struggling and you might not know why. Um, and I really, we really work to foster an environment that's very welcoming to all, um, where you don't have to be in the best shape ever, where you don't have to be in the best place ever, but you feel welcome. You feel like you walk in and you have a friend, um, you have a smile, you know, you have a coach who understands who's there to talk to you if you need help.
1: And I guess what I, I need to clarify when I'm talking to you about this stuff, uh, adaptive versus when I say adaptive, I'm usually thinking indoor, uh, erg, not outdoor mm-hmm. water, but so yeah. you do both, right? You're on water. Yeah. yeah. And- so
0: we are on the water and on land as well. And adaptive, I think is in, and, and just to clarify, para rowing and adaptive rowing are different. Adaptive is far more inclusive. Para rowing oh, okay. is a very narrow you are classified as a para athlete for these physical disabilities and they're permanent there's it's a very different thing than adaptive Oh, okay. Um, okay so yeah like so on concept two you can go on there and rank yourself as an adaptive athlete and they'll have all their adaptive classifications their adaptive classifications are not para classifications they're not warrior games classifications they're not invictus classifications they're not like there's no real a- like real official. And so it's like weird because you have every different sporting ev- like event seems to have a different classification system. So even if you're a certain classification at Invictus, you might be a different classification at Warrior Games. You might be a different classification for para rowing. Um, and then, you know, and adaptive rowing on concept too if you want to rank yourself.
1: <laughs> speaking of, speaking of Invictus and I completely slipped my mind. Are you going to be coaching or are you in Is your hat in the in for a chance to coach for Invictus? Well,
0: I'd be honored to coach. It would be incredibly amazing. Um, However, I wasn't selected as one of the coaches for the upcoming games uh, or Invictus games. So I think every I think my guess is every every Invictus they'll they'll like, you know, they ask, you know, they ask for my resume and whatnot. And they put it forward as you know, maybe put it forward. Um, but how, but I wasn't selected as a coach. That's
1: because they're saving you for the best Invictus. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, changing, changing steam real quick. You, and this is one of the other reasons why I wanted to talk to you was because you, like you said, grew up in San Diego, you were around military, but you weren't really involved in the military. You said you would never date someone in the military you ended up marrying someone in the military. So I want to talk to you about being new to the military life and what's it, what is it like being a military spouse now?
0: It's rewarding. It's very frustrating. (laughs) There's a lot of, there's a lot. Um, uh, the healthcare is pretty good. Um, (laughs) the, you know, The uh, stability and, you know, I come from a very corporate area where there's not as much stability. You get, you can get laid off a little easier, you know, that type of thing. But there's a lot more, I feel like repercussions if somebody doesn't act properly um, and that type of thing. Whereas I feel like it's very frustrating in the military sometimes is navigating that as a spouse i just want to walk in there and i want to be like this is what's up come on and it's like no you have to do it this way you have to fill out this paperwork and i'm like "Ah." (laughs) (laughs) because it's not just a job like this also is almost a lifestyle in the way that it does shape your where you're living um it you know it shapes a lot you know and, and depending on you can make it more about more part of your life or less part of your life, the military. Um, you know, we live off base, but we live close enough to base. My son can hear the national anthem in his nursery every morning. So (laughs) at 8 (laughs) AM so, (laughs) um, but we live close to base. (laughs) Um, we deal with base traffic. Um, but you know, I mean, I'm you know, I I shop at the exchange and the commissary, but I also shop at the Kroger and you know Target. So, um, you know, I'm not I'm not part of like you know a lot of like the FRG that type of thing. Um,
1: Which but, is the you know, uh, family readiness group?
0: Yes. Look at me, I'm I'm talking acronyms here. I, know, I don't know I'm where not... <laughs> this came from. I have no idea. <laughs> But it's like, you know, I, you know, I just have to, sometimes I'm just frustrated.
1: Well, at least you don't live near an army base, which thankfully I am far enough away. I don't hear it, but army likes to blow up canyon cannons during colors. So 8 a.m. and you know, when they do taps at sunset.
0: Yeah. I'm not sure my son would nap through that. That, that, I mean, at least, at least the music, it's like a little bit soothing. I don't know.
1: <laughs> well, you just need to teach him that when he hears taps, it's time to go to sleep. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So your husband's in, um, in a career field that has a little bit more deployments, a little bit higher risk than say someone working in an office going into your marriage. Did you realize that
0: yeah so on our second date he showed me a picture of someone with no limbs and said are oh, you have to be okay with this oh I'm jesus like- <laughs> 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 oh my God. I mean, I don't know if he was like, just trying to like scare me off, like as quickly as possible or like, you know, we'll see where this goes. I also on the same date, tried, like accidentally tripped him in the middle of the street. So I don't, you know, I I guess I tried to kill him this on our second date too. So, um, but you know, just, you know, like I, yeah, there's definitely risk. Um, a lot of it. Um, but you know what, Like I know my husband won't do, won't put other people in danger, um, any dangerous situation. Um, nothing, he wouldn't ask somebody to do something he wouldn't do himself. Um, and he joined, he joined the Navy wanting to be what In OD tech, he didn't want to be anything else. He, you know, he doesn't want to kill people he doesn't want to shoot his gun, but if he has to, he has to, his he want, he joined because he wanted to save lives. And that was what he wanted to do. Um, he's a very good shot but he, but that's not like what he didn't join so that he, he could shoot a gun and shoot at people and take lives. That's not what he doing. Um, but he enjoys, um, you know, thinking he enjoys, you know, the mental aspect of it. Um, he enjoys a lot of the, the fun. He's like a big kid, so for him, like he gets to blow stuff up and have fun, and I mean, you know, that's, that stuff for him is fun. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of stressful parts of the job, um and that's where his um interesting sense of humor comes in.
1: Oh, you mean uh the military humor in general?
0: Yes. Yes. yes exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, and then you know, there's a slight, you know, sense of sick humor, and 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 that's just how he deals with like stress and you know like that uh, aspect so um, so
1: who has a more dark humor uh us or your husband
0: i don't know it's a mixed bag for sure i, I mean i <laughs> I, I, I love my
1: amputee <laughs> friends but some of them i thought i had a bad dark sense of humor some of them make my humor seem extremely tame
0: I mean, I think it's it's it, it depends. I mean, I think it just depends on how tough your day is and because I think that's I think your dark sense of humor is how you deal with things. Oh yeah. And how you deal with a tough circumstance. It's 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 definitely a coping mechanism in my mind. Um and uh you know, there's nothing easy about doing things that you've done that your friends that our amputees are going through and have done there's you know there's a lot you're dealing with um and definitely i don't i'm not opposed to you know that dark sense of humor because i think there's it's a good out it's a decent outlet um but i think it sheds also light on the truth and it shows that maybe somebody's struggling with something and it kind of opens the door for talking i think too um And I, not to say read into everything everyone says, but I think like, it's definitely, you know, when my husband's humor gets dark, sometimes I'm like, all right, what's going on?
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's definitely, that's definitely a very true statement. So for you and, and for anyone out there, I think it's interesting hearing a spouse's side. So anyone out there who's thinking about being involved with some of the military, how are the deployment times? Not necessarily when he goes off to an actively hot zone or a kinetic area, but just they they deploy or they go train for weeks on end. How how is that for you, especially being a new mom?
0: Um, not particularly awesome, I'd say. Um and I'd say during COVID it was really hard. Um he was deployed uh for six months while I was pregnant and everything was Lockdown, all of, all the all pretty much all of my work was being canceled. Um, that was very difficult. Um, definitely some of the high risk training. I always get nervous, especially like skydiving training. Um, like for me, that's you know that's something I very consider very risky, um, and I always get nervous when he's away training. Um, um, but you know I trust that he knows what he's doing, and I know he's knows what he's doing. Um, and I know, like, he will never do something that, like, he, like he's very good about, like, seeing a risk and then like, knowing, like, what to do. Um, he has a son to come home to. Like, he's not going to do something that he's, you know, going to, you know, not like come home to a son or put somebody else in a position where they aren't going to come home.
1: Well, I, I, um, I think part of his job skill set requires that, that type of mentality more yeah. so than anyone else. I mean, more so than Corman, more so than I think in a lot of ways, more so than the seals uh, or the SF guys, like because of what he does, he has to be very, very thorough in his thought process.
0: Yeah. And you have to be, you know, good at, you know, a bunch of different things too. It's not like, you know, you just, you're good at one area, like keeping it in mind, his, you know area has a whole bunch of different avenues like different types of explosives or you know that type of thing so you have to really be very diverse you have to be able to do everything a seal does plus basically know like you know a bunch of science as well to go back it up and to like know what to do with an explosive and all that like you have to be able to integrate with all these other forces Um, and then a water mine, like that's big too. Like my husband's like a total nerd about the water stuff. Like he loves the water stuff. Um, And uh, I was talking to an old seal. He's like, yeah, he's like back in the day, like that, back in like the nineties, that was that we did so much of that stuff. Like (laughs) I was like the water, the water stuff, whereas like everything's been land-based for so many years.
1: So having a high performer husband and a, how do I put this nicely? A slightly possessed mentality in winning yourself. Uh, do you guys get competitive?
0: So we're actually really good about it. Honestly, like, so for me, like probably one of the hardest things when I was single was like being like, all okay, right, I was actually a pretty good rower, not to say like, Oh, like not to be like, Oh, like tuning my own whore here. I was actually pretty fast. So I'd have like these, you know, seals or whatever in the bar and be like, oh, this is my, you know, 2K. And I'm like, that's cute. Like, (laughs) you know, for me, like, I just, I just, but my husband, like, he's like, yep, I pulled this. I fell off the machine. I was like, okay, that's a respectable time. (laughs) He did it once, he was done. That was it. He has no interest in rowing again. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he's just you know a no quit kind of person. Um, unless it's, you know, not safe or something.
1: Have you gotten him out on the water?
0: Um, actually, as a wedding gift, one of my teammates in San Diego put him on the water.
1: All right, that's a gift.
0: Yeah. Well, then it's not me coaching him because I mean, that marriage might have been very short.
1: Oh, true, true, (laughs) true.
0: (laughs) But I'm honestly like I don't run with people like when I run, I like to run alone. We don't do sports and stuff together. Um, Yeah, that's just not something we've always done. Um, And I know that because I am a very competitive person. I've tried running with boyfriends and stuff. It just turns out terrible. Okay, It's just not a good situation for me because then it just turns into this competitive thing. And no, no, not my, not my cup of tea. I actually prefer having a husband who's like got a totally different interests than me, but it's just a pro He's one of the best people, you know, guys I've ever met. And that's in, he's a great father, great husband, just a wonderful person, got a great sense of humor. And if somebody takes the time to know him, like, they're like wow he's a great guy he'll you know he'll give the shirt you know the shirt off his back to anyone type person
1: so speaking of um great father you had a baby which i think surprised a lot of us that you you like wow coach is i think one of my first thoughts was so does that mean coach is not going to be coach anymore but um how was it you like you said you had to go through part of it during covid how's it been since the little guy got born
0: I mean, it's been a whirlwind. I mean, adjusting to motherhood's been hard for me. Um, And but you know, he is a great kid. I love him dearly. Um, And it's just figuring out what to do. Like, I had to go to the dentist today. I'm like, are they gonna let me bring him? I don't know how this is working. Like, do I bring the baby? My husband can't watch him. Like, how? Like, I'm. But they let me bring him. He stays in a little car seat. (laughs) (laughs) He was fine. But you know, it's definitely been an adjustment period. Um, like for the camp that's coming up, my mom's flying out from San Diego to watch him, um, so that my husband doesn't have to be away from his son um, for you know that amount of time. Because like it's a like I know my husband's gonna miss big chunks of my son's life. Why would I, you know, I don't want him to miss more than he has to. So my mom was very nice and willing to come out, fly out from San Diego to take care of, you know, take care of Noah during the day while my husband's at work.
1: That makes sense. I mean, and that's, I mean, the military family life is hard without a kid. And I can only imagine what it's like with a kid. And especially yeah. with you being as involved as you are. You're... Yeah.
0: And and then like for games, I'm probably going to drop him off in Charleston with my sister-in-law. My husband's sister's married to a C-17 pilot who's stationed in a uh, um, Charleston. So she's like, oh, yeah, Aunt Megan, I will take him. I will take him. She's like she's stoked for a few weeks with her her nephew. Nice.
1: <laughs> so um, speaking of you were in Virginia, so Virginia's had some weird back and forth with the whole covid thing. How much did that affect your ability to maintain um, your fitness and actually getting on an ERG or getting out in the water yourself?
0: So for me, um, I own my own ERG. And then um, for me, I do also own my own single. So my husband purchased me a boat um, as like a gift because I sold mine when we moved because it just, I was like, this doesn't make sense. Why are we moving to a new area? I don't know where to put my boat. Like I'll sell it before we move. So he bought me my dream boat, my dream boat, bought me my dream boat.
1: Oh, Rower
0: jokes. <laughs> 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 um, and, um, yeah, so, um, I actually own my own boat. Um, I have my own erg. and then, um, so the thing with rowing is that in the nature of the sport you're within six feet of everyone. So it took a really long time for us to, to the sport, to start to be allowing athletes to row in team boats again, um, because you had to be within six feet of each other outside. Um, um I, my program, we, um, we have ergs through, um, there's a VA grant that was, that was given to, um, U S rowing, which is our governing body, um, who divvies up, um, funding to clubs who offer adaptive, Sports for military veterans. Um, my program is one of them. So we get some. So the VA, you know, their the, the VA funding that went to us rowing through their Freedom Rows program came to our program, purchased us some rowing machines. We were able to loan those out during lockdown, and we've been doing virtual um, coaching um, since everything locked down. So we've been offering programming since you know. Every I think there was maybe like a week or two where I was like, all right, so how's this going to work? And we figured it out and we went to zoom sessions and have been offering twice a week zoom sessions, um, and loaning out ergs and, and, and if athletes have ergs and then they can join in and all that. And, uh, it's completely free to the athletes through the grant process.
1: Wow. That's actually pretty cool. So do you, how has, um, how has been training with the, the team? through this especially for people who like no offense california but who didn't open up gyms until june where they couldn't even get into a gym to get on a nerd
0: so that's definitely been a challenge um for me if athletes have um concerns about equipment i've always asked like if athletes want like i can help them try to get equipment, so like for the last camp was virtual, for trials was virtual. So I was working with US Rowing, who was sending me contacts for people around the country who might be able to get athletes, ergs, or adaptive equipment. So like, even though an adaptive seat might be 300 miles from an athlete, we'd be like, oh wait, this person's driving from this place to that place, or whatever. You know, trying to make it work. like in San Diego, there's an adaptive program in San Diego. So the athletes who were in San Diego, I was able to get those athletes who needed an ERG, an ERG. Um, so dep- so wherever athletes were, I was trying to get them equipment or access to equipment uh, during like, even it was just for the trials portion. Um, so they had something to train on or practice on. Um, and then the big thing is to get them connected to programs where they can row after trials and games and that type of thing, because the thing is, is games, you can only really do it twice. Um, unless you're, you know, the mulligan coming back for another time. So my big goal is to get athletes involved in adaptive sports and can get, make them continue to be at, for after warrior games, because I think, I don't want everyone to not realize there is a whole adaptive circuit. There's a master circuit. There's, there's a whole bunch of opportunities to row outside of games. There's the world indoor rowing championships. There's the U S national indoor championships. So, and then there's rowing on the water opportunities, like through U S rowing. Like if you're a disabled vet, they'll help pay for your travel to regattas. Oh, really? through That VA grant. So, like, there's lots of opportunities for disabled vets, um, and I try to connect athletes to that. Um, and so, like, when I say, like, this is your club locator, these, you know, these are your adaptive programs, these are your Freedom Rose programs. Like, let's find you something for you know. My big goal is to make it as little cost as possible because I know everyone's got a lot of expenses. I don't want it to be a big expense. So that's where a lot of these really great programs come in handy because a lot of times there you're going to get uh your membership for free you're going to get coaching for free use of equipment for free and that's through that va grant that us rowing has
1: oh okay that that makes a lot of sense so to wrap this up um god this was such a good talk i'm so glad i I know i can talk
0: about rowing forever
1: i know (laughs) you you really should start a rowing podcast (laughs) it's pretty easy but um What's your hopes for the rest of the year? Do you, do you see us getting back to normal and at least on the water and at the gyms getting open back up?
0: I think so. I really think so. And, I, I, you know, and I'm, I don't think that's just me being optimistically hopeful. I think like I truly think we're headed in that direction. Um, you know, I haven't seen, in, at least in Virginia, nothing has been like tightening up again. Um, I know in some parts of California, I was reading that they were starting to have some sort of mask requirements potentially, but I could be wrong on that. Um, and, uh, but I I could see, foresee everything happening a lot of like the rowing regattas, the national championships and stuff are happening. Tokyo is happening. Like every, the big sporting events are starting to happen again. And like the, like the little, like youth regattas are happening. Like I think that, you know, I think you know, like the college programs, they're training. Everyone's finding a way to do it, and I think that you'll see everything start to come back to normal in the next year.
1: That's a good thing. That is, whatever the new normal is. Yeah. That, yes. that well, that that's the bigger question: is what is the new normal going to be? But I don't want to take up too much of your time, and I know you have a son, so. Thank you so much for coming on and hopefully we will be talking again pretty soon before it's all said and done.
0: Definitely. Thank you so much, Tommy.
1: No problem. I will talk to you uh, hopefully here soon and I'm going to stop the recording. Thank you so much for listening and I hope you can follow us on social. Check us out at our website, modernronin.com, on Instagram, the Modern ronin on Twitter, at TommyChase01. And you can always support us at ModernRonin.Locals.com. This is our Locals group, and it would be great if you guys joined and subscribed. Some great benefits. Talk to you guys soon.